What a what a time to be alive. I raced home from the gym. Nate. Yeah, I did. I'm still in my workout gear. Look at me. That's what you wear to the gym? Oh, yeah. You wear a white Repres- t-shirt. Dude, what does that say? Nike. It says Nike, bro. Doesn't it get, like, sweat covered? Like, white. White is not a good color to be wearing to a gym. I don't work out that hard. Okay, so you're not actually building up a sweat or anything. It's more no, just to I say just... you've been? Yeah. I just like, like to look good. Well, while I... You know, half ass it. So you like to take selfies in the mirror? Well, I'm never doing that again, am I? Because you, <laughs> you ruined that. I ruined, ruined it. Nice you thing. sent it to me. <laughs> yeah, ruined so a nice thing. For whom? I, I gave you a nice thing mm-hmm. by sending you a lovely gym selfie. <laughs> and what did you do? You blasted it all over the internet and sponsored it. So. It was one of our more successful sponsored posts, though. So in a way, that's a compliment. That's because people are finally like, this is finally some content that we actually like. <laughs> now I get it. Now it's funny that like our, our our posts, whenever we post an episode, like no one gives a shit. Well, because I mean, you're not engaging with a podcast in like a Facebook zone, really, are you? It's more kind of like a a notification service. It's like go to your player. There's a new episode there. I guess so. I would love to know how people. I, do people look at that and go, oh, because you can just get a, you get a notification from your public podcast player, presumably. Well, not even a notification. Like if it's anything like Stop me, saying you notification, just, you haven't learned oh, okay. fucking Leave anything it in the past. Um, in the, you go to the app and you open it up and if it's anything like mine, it'll just download new episodes and you'll be like, oh, I've got a new deep thought there or oh, I've got a new, you know, daring fireball there or whatever. Yeah. You're not even getting notified. You're just nice. opening your um, app. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I spend freaking hours on those graphics and... Well, I appreciate what? them. I appreciate them. Thanks. You, you, your eyes look nice today. My eyes nice look eyes. nice? Yeah, you got, like, pretty eyes tonight or something. Maybe it's oh, the... Uh, it's because I'm staring directly into twinkle. the sun. Aha! <laughs> yeah. Well, it looks good. Well, thank you. You're I'll doing try- the, uh, the old GC... Squint. Oh no, it's more of a Brad Pitt, isn't it? The wait, why am I still wearing a stupid hat? You are wearing a hat during a podcast. I thought it was a style choice. Do you wear a hat to the gym? I did today because my hair's all fucking curly and weird. You wore a hat to the gym. And I'm wearing and a white a reppin', t-shirt. Repping my homies. Okay, Sri Lanka. Nice. Um, Sri Lanka. You know it's funny. I am. Um, we've got a. Uh, We've got a service station down the road, and um, stay with me on this. Okay. And um, and I've got a Sri Lanka cricket top that I got from Sri Lanka as well as this hat. And I know the guys over there, they're either Sri Lankan or Indian. But every time I've walked in there, and now I purposefully, you know, rep my uh, you my deliberately wear it. They go, oh, Sri Lanka, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just I'm just one of you guys. They might be Indian. Do they believe it's... you? No. Yeah. I mean, I don't have I don't have the time that I do in like a like an Uber to explain my actual uh, like heritage, ethnic heritage. Yeah. Yeah. But you do. It's funny. Anyone who's ever ridden with you in an Uber will understand that you you bring that up unprompted. You will start. Oh, yeah. You'll jump in the seat and you'll just start talking about your 
heritage for a good 20 30 minutes straight even when the driver's like sorry i just want to ride in silence if that's all right and (laughs) you're like the the driver mutes me (laughs) yeah um you insist on explaining it in quite exhaustive detail yeah um yeah that was actually one of the reviews i got (laughs) on my my uber (laughs) app exhausting passenger uh, <laughs> well, you've got a bit of um, you've got a bit of post workout energy, don't you? You're a little bit you're uh, you're in the zone, dude. I am I'm zinging, I'm zanging. I took I've been taking this. Uh, all right, so oh man, this is gonna be a this is gonna be a bubbly app. Okay. Um, I've been taking this pre workout stuff. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, now it's it was at the pharmacy. It was half price. I was like, I don't know, really know what that does. It's got creatine in it. It's got a fucking load of caffeine. It's like equivalent to five cups of coffee. That's probably the one. Five can you hear cups it in my of voice? Co- I can hear it in your voice. You are actually an yeah. octave and a half higher than your normal pitch. Yeah, I know. Um, and um, and I took it at you know I got home from work at about five, and I'm slightly you slightly scare me. Like I I don't like being late for you because I'm I fear your wrath your wrath. <laughs> no no whatever. you got it right like, you got it right you said wrath well done. It yeah. doesn't feel right, but... I know. it's We're very Americanized. And I'm very scared of... Um, so I got Emma to put the barbecue on. I had some pre-marinated Moroccan lamb shanks, which I'm currently eating right now. Uh-huh. Got home from the gym, fired up the barbecue, quick five minutes on either side, raced down here, made it with five minutes, well, late, but uh, no, that's still within the window that's, that's of... I was going to pass it off as technical difficulties, but... No, um, I but saw I've been you eating using lamb this... chops and that sort of gave it away. Right. But I've been using this... Um, pre-workout stuff and i used it for the first time the other day he'd never used it before and i was it was i didn't get much sleep that night i was going to work and i was like i'll just take some of this on an empty stomach i could not feel my face for like four hours <laughs> seriously it was like tingly and then it was just like numb it looks it felt like i'd just done a bunch of coke yeah not that i know what that felt tastes like feels like whatever but um i'll try and when you rub it on your face of, now I've got a bit of wine to even my keel, so yeah. No, Ready I to mean, go, baby. so you you let me just get this chronology right. You took one of those for the first time the other day while going to work at like nine yeah. in the morning, and you didn't sleep mm. at all that night, and you couldn't feel your face. And today, yep. you took one at what roughly five o'clock in the evening. Yeah. So you're not going to sleep for the next sort of forty-eight hours. Yeah, that makes that actually makes sense. Hmm. I didn't really think that through. I think like are I you taking won't... the right dose? <laughs> well, it's one scoop. It's powder. Oh, but taking. I'm just thinking now. Taking five, drinking five cups of coffee at five p.m. Yeah. When I usually go to bed at ten. Yeah. 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 Well, buckle in, everyone. <laughs> To get out of the funk. <laughs> well, can you feel your face at the moment, though? I can feel it. Okay, so your body's adapting. Maybe it won't be so bad. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I mean, you barely broke a sweat, so that suggests its its power is incredible. Or you're mostly there to take photos of yourself in the mirror wearing a hat. Exactly, man. Exactly. Which is hard work, you know. Oh yeah. I mean, you got to hold your hand out in front of your face for oh. 10 seconds at least. And those phones, they're getting heavier. Yeah, you get me. You get me. (laughs) Oh, welcome to Deep Ford, everybody. Cheers. Clink. 
This is a, um, a podcast which we reflect on the world as it's happening before our eyes into your ears. Sitting through the internet with me, my friend Michael. How are you doing? Tell me something and tell the listeners something. Um, what should I say? Um, and my name's Nick. Hi, Nick. Hi. Uh, thanks so much for being here. Very excited. Um, gosh, it's been a, a busy couple of weeks since we last talked. <laughs> Has it? Oh, yeah, it's been huge. What are you drinking, by the way? You got a white wine. Riesling, more specifically. Dude, my arm's looking fucking pumped. Just seeing that in the... Uh, ooh, getting a bit of vein action. You seeing that vein action? Wait. No, sorry, your mic stands in the way. Can you hold it up? What? I'm just seeing that vein action. You seeing that? Bit of a pump? Not bad. Oh, no. you fuck. <laughs> you fuck. You dirty, dirty dog, you. <laughs> oh. Uh, Lured me in as well. So easy, so easy. I know. I know. <laughs> like we literally just talked about it within like the last two minutes, and it will happen again. As It'll well. happen again. Take your shirt off. Um, the uh, past two weeks. So last we talked was the day of the insurrection. Um, since that time, Donald Trump has continued to melt down, and we've learnt a lot more about how fucking close to catastrophe that thing came. Um, so mm. oh, I was interested to know if any of your opinions about what had happened had changed over that past couple of weeks. Because um, when we recorded, it was kind of, I think it was that day of, and it felt a little bit like a novelty in a way, like this was a bit of a silly thing that happened. But then all these photos started coming out with like people with the zip tie handcuffs and the mm. the photos of the police, the Capitol Police guy that led the mob away from the Senate chamber and spared, you know, potential shit going down. Now that we've seen just how fucking bad that could have gone, do you have any sort of updated, you know, thoughts on the situation? And Trump got fucking impeached. (laughs) That's what happened in the the past two weeks as well. Trump got impeached for it. Yeah, so what does that mean, though? I'm confused as to what that means because some people are saying that means nothing and some people are saying... You know, it's just symbolic. Like, what is it? What are the practical effects of a second impeachment? Yeah. Well, there's one angle, which is that it's the moral thing to do, even if it doesn't have um, huge practical implications. The point needs to be made that a president can't abuse the power in this way and that democracy needs to be, you know, upheld. So there's like, we need to do this symbolically. Then there's Mm -hmm. the other practical thing where if it goes through the Senate trial, and he gets convicted. Currently, that's looking pretty unlikely, but who knows? Maybe maybe things will change. If he got convicted again, he would be stripped of a whole... Like, if he was actually removed from office, he would be stripped of a whole bunch of perks. The, right. um, the I believe, the um, Secret Service kind of stuff. You wouldn't get, like, a pension. You wouldn't get um, the ability to run again for office. You couldn't, mm-hmm. you couldn't do that. You couldn't apply for, or, you know, seek a second term in 2024 if he'd been impeached. Mm. So there are things that... Uh, and Subway wouldn't validate his sixth free sub. Yeah, yeah. And that's ultimately the kicker for him, I think. Um, <laughs> so there are practical effects which would make Trump's life worse if they came into effect because it would stop him right. from ever getting back into office and... Stop him from getting paid for it, you know. There but it's some... not likely that that will pass. It requires two thirds of the Senate, 
174 odd Republicans in the House voted not to impeach him. So they, and only 10 voted to do so. So I think the numbers in the Senate, maybe, maybe the situation will be slightly different if you're forced, uh, like the people in the House kind of, the Republicans in a House had a bit of a safety net because they're not ultimately the ones that needed to make the call to remove him. So they could kind of, they already knew that it was going to pass because the D- Democrats have the majority of the House. So they could take a quote unquote principled stand and vote no and know that it was still going to pass anyway, but not piss off the fan base. When it gets to the Senate, um, that's a little bit muddier and maybe some of the Republicans feel a little bit more pressure to to actually right. commit to their principles a bit more. But it would Which still be pretty won't. unlikely, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, since the insurrection initially started and since we recorded last, it definitely has... I mean, nothing has really changed apart from the fact that it it's... You, you start to realise that it was a little bit more sinister than you initially thought. Yeah. Um, that it could have possibly led to assassinations and yeah. and things like that. And it, it was a little bit more scary, a little bit more... Um, seemed more controlled um, or at least motivated or pre premeditated mm. um, than it than when we initially heard about it happening. Yeah, finding out that uh, they some of the people who broke in had done tours the day before and been like walked through by Republican congressmen to like scout out the place, seeing that people mm. had turned up with pre-made jerseys and, you know, <laughs> like all this kind of sort of ominous stuff which started to seep through and we realized that that first dose of the vision that we had was was in some mm. ways quite sanitized yeah and that when you hear like the first-hand experiences from uh you know aoc and everyone who were talking about the actual fears that they had or that the um the police ineffectiveness was really quite worrying and and, and bizarre you do see mm. <laughs> it could have been a massacre. It's, yeah. It's crazy. I, I watched this show called The Circus, which is on Showtime. It's on Stan. Highly recommend it. Great. Uh, they do a, They do basically do a, a, a documentary style 30-minute episode every week, and it's like firsthand. They get right in the thick of uh, American politics. It's just a, it's a great in-depth look at American politics. And they were in there and they had one shot where one of the um one of the uh hosts was in the middle of the insurrection when it was happening and a flashbang goes off and he's in this thick crowd and he go he freaks. He goes, Fuck and because it's just like this loud bang and it made me made me realise that with that type of crowd you would imagine there's probably some concealed weapons there. Um, maybe not even concealed. Yeah. They're the type of crowd that are pro-gun. So you don't really know. I mean, maybe it's unlikely that they'll turn on themselves, but the presence, knowing the presence of, of the ammunition that, that is potentially there would be frightening. And then the riot police, what are they called? Uh, the Capital squad, police? Squad, riot squad. Oh, the... Like the SWAT, SWAT team or like the, the right police? Yeah, whatever. Um, 
they're using flash grenades on flash grenades, flash bangs on on the crowd. But hearing that bang would have been so scary. Mm. And another th- another uh, another point was that I sent you I sent you a link early this week that was sent to me by Dan um, Pekevsky. And it was a really cool, it was another journalist, like a YouTube journalist, right in the thick of things. And he was saying that he w- he's like, he's independent, but he was in the middle of, of this crowd of staunch Republicans, alt-right, whatever, trying to get, trying to do the journalistic thing and get interviews with these people. And, and they're asking him, I mean, they have, a dis- they have an inherent distrust of the media already. So he's trying to get interviews from these people, trying to probe them, trying to ask questions that are, that's going to, that is going to elicit a, a insightful responses to where their motivations are lying. Mm. And, but he's also very aware that he's in a crowd and that if that mob starts to turn on him, that he has no way out. Yeah. Um, and so, and this other guy from the surface was saying the exactly the same thing that he feared for his life because he was trying to do the journalistic thing, but also didn't want to ask questions that might give it away that he might be left leaning. But also yeah. it's, a, it's like, it's what's a, the, what's the metaphor? Like it's like a, a tinder box and all it takes is one spark, right? Yeah. They're, they're just in the thick of this perilous situation torn between the journalistic necessity of finding out what's happening and why but then also the self-preservation, knowing that exactly. the antagonism is is going to come brutally fast if you if you need all the wrong <laughs> sensitivity. Yeah, and like you said, it could just happen like that. Mm. It takes one person to be like, "Hey, we got a lefty for whatever they say." I don't know. Uh, well, um, and it could be out external to the person being interviewed. It could be someone listening in. It could it could be someone seeing an interview taking place and walking in and saying that's not fucking happening. Not even if the person you're interacting with was fine. You know, it's a yeah. It was such a volatile situation. The other one which I um, can recommend if anyone's looking for that boots on the ground perspective uh, was Jordan Klepper's Daily Show one. I don't know if you saw that. Oh. Jordan no, Klepper, who was one of the better um, correspondents added in the later yeah. years of Jon Stewart. I haven't really watched since Trevor Noah took over, um, yeah. but he got a spun-off just... show and now he's back doing freelancey bits and pieces. But he was there on the day of the um, the rally and he follows the crowd because those journalists weren't expecting it to be Insurrection Day. <laughs> they were there to cover yeah. the rally. And then they're like, well, I yeah. guess we're fucking walking over to the Capitol building now. And he is... Yeah. So there's there's a swarm of people heading up the steps to this building. And he's doing his normal Trump rally thing where he's walking alongside people and asking questions back and forth. And it gets more and more tense as the time goes on and people's responses are getting more egregious and, and quite yeah. revealing. But... At a certain point, the footage gets all fucked up because some. So the camera person is walking backwards up the hill to capture Jordan and the person he's interviewing walking towards the Capitol building, and someone s- like sits down behind the camera person like a fucking third grade prank, and the guy topples over backwards. He trips up the camera person and tries to provocate a, a fight. Um, it's it's a very compelling wow. and funny, but revealing he's quite and notable, scary. He's quite, a, 
notable face. Like I would, that would be a dangerous situation for him to go in because he's quite a, he's like a celebrity almost. He he is known, but at the same time, I assume that that crowd doesn't watch the left leaning liberal Daily Show bullshit media apparatus. Perhaps they're not yeah. actually aware. Yeah, that's a good point. Like you'd think that they, well, I guess they're making f- fun of those people all the time so the style that they do it in like they'll they might see like cnn like that type of crowd might see like cnn clips but packaged in like propaganda style you know election style videos where it was like dun dun and it's like grayscale and joe biden thinks you should sell your babies to fucking china um yeah well that's uh that would be terrifying but uh yeah, I really have a lot of respect for those journalists that that were in the thick of everything during mm. that time. We've been fun. No, I don't know if it would have been. I w- well, it would have been like, yeah, it would have been. I would have. I would like to have donned a maga hat and just kind of be a be it like assimilate with the crowd, like just be one of them, like in disguise, fly in the wall. That would have been cool. Fly, but well, not a fly, like a fly with a maga hat, maybe on the wall. (laughs) Just to elaborate on that, just so you could hear and see their viewpoints. Well, it just seems like such a. Well, first of all, it's a pressure cooker, but also if you just put on this one hat, you're one of the guys and you're safe. Yeah, I suppose so. So you mean. You like the idea of being there, but with a safety net. Yes, it would. Yeah, I mean, it would be. It would be exciting. Yeah, I mean, people did die, <laughs> so yeah. Like, I, I think at a certain point, if you are feeling the severity of that situation as the crowd is smashing through windows, do you think you're still fe- feeling that's exciting, or are you like, uh, guys, that's probably quite expensive. Should we? Um, I don't, maybe should we take this round to Nando's and just you know get some peri peri fries? It would also be fun to be that guy, uh-huh. just at the at the front, and then the guy that that was there and got swept up and and was found himself at the front, <laughs> and then and then realized things got too far, like have gone this too is far. A bit, and this is like, a bit more than oh, that. Oh shit! Um, I'm Does actually out. Want my hat. I'm actually out. <laughs> I didn't realize we were gonna. Smash windows and shit. Sorry. Can everyone, can you just move? I'm just, I'm going back. Sorry, home. I'm trying to get, I'm, is, where the porter lose? I need to. <laughs> I really, I really need to it's, shit right no, now, guys. Excuse can me, guys. Can we hold the insurrection? <laughs> excuse me, guys. I have crippling diarrhea. So if you could just, please don't jostle me because I'm, I'm on the way out. Um, you keep it up. Yeah. Make America great. Oh, yes. Just. Woo. Clear path. <laughs> I think I sharded. As we're recording this, it's our Tuesday in two days. Uh, the American 20th, the Southern Hemisphere's 21st. I suppose not Southern Hemisphere, really, but um, Eastern Hemisphere's 21st. It will be over. It will be, by the time this episode comes out, probably, it'll be on or about the beginning of the Biden presidency and what's, the end of... What's going to be over? See, this is the thing, Nick. Trump, Trumpism will live on. Will they've 
things have fundamentally changed. People have fundamentally changed. Trumpism, Trump will be, Trump, Trump leaving office is basically like Fidel Castro dying. That was a really weird example. It's like, I can't think of the example, but it's You're like saying almost, it will outlive him. It's going to make him a martyr and his supporters. I think he's fundamentally changed America or at least America was changing and he rode the wave really well. But Trumpism's not going anywhere. Yeah, but the other thing that happened these past two weeks is that he got kicked off Twitter, Facebook, suspended off YouTube for a bit. Um, yeah. He was deplatformed. And yeah, we should talk about that. We should talk about that. Um, let's talk about that. Wait, uh, can I get another glass of wine? Because I'm running on empty here and I need... Yeah, you've only had five cups of coffee. Calm down, dude. (laughs) Sorry about that, fat man. That's all right. I'm drinking a maple and apple and bourbon cocktail. Um, didn't you already answer that? Wait, you didn't ask me. (laughs) Oh my god, that's so funny. You make you really make me laugh. I hate to say that to you. Oh. You are one of the few people that <laughs> genuinely make me laugh. Likewise, thank you. All right, Trump Twitter. Trump Twitter. Trump. I mean, Twitter kind of half-assed at first. They're like, you, you, you go sit in the naughty corner for twelve hours and think about what you've done, and then mm. Facebook really Mark Zuckerberg because it all comes down to Zuckerberg at the end of the day. He was like, nope, this is it. You're gone. Goodbye forever. And right. Twitter then followed suit a little bit later, but he has been deplatformed. He used that, um, well, both of those services to push out messages, initially uh, disputing the election results, which would see clarification notes and things on his post to say that this was uh, incorrect facts, but. F- uh, stirring up an insurrection mob to storm the capital seems to have finally crossed the line for these um, players, these media um, platforms. What, what do you feel about this? Should, should the president of the United States be kicked off a social media service? Well, it's a tough one. I mean, it's, it's, well, at least it seems like it should be a tough one. I am of the view after thinking about it quite a lot for the last two weeks since it happened that it was a necessary thing to have happened. I, I think there is some validity to the idea that uh, there's at least, it's at least something to be debated. It's not black and white. Um, but I, I do, I do think that, um, like I, I, there was a, an article that I posted a great article, but on the, um, on spectator um that basically said that it trump being banned of twitter has kind of nothing to do with free speech you're still allowed free speech you're still allowed to say what you want but you can't say you can't yell fire in a crowded theater and that's effectively what he was doing um so free free speech free speech has limits if if it starts to impose on the safety of other people. 
And, and so that's my view. if I can add to it, free speech in the American definition of it as well is explicitly uh, a safety net against the government suppressing yeah. your free speech. It is not against private corporations or other individuals. It's not a freedom from consequence. It is no. a freedom of speech and... Uh, it's in the context of the government cannot prevent you from saying or believing things explicitly. This, is, this is the First is, Amendment. The yeah. First Amendment provides that this is verbatim what it is in the Constitution. The First Amendment provides that Congress make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting its free exercise. It protects freedom of speech, the press, assembly, and the right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So, yeah. It's from yeah. the government. Yeah. So the context here is that, as you say, calling fire in a crowded theatre or jumping onto into an Uber and shitting in the cab, they have the right to throw you out of the cab. It's not in a, in a, a, a public sphere. You're within a private uh, organisation's realm and they get to set the rules. So exactly. if you say something which incites a riot, you can be kicked off. We've previously talked about this before, and I don't think our opinions have really changed about that. I think that you're right that the interesting question has been, but what if you're the president? Is there wriggle room for the newsworthiness or the status of the speaker? Mm. Well, Some of the complaints have so, been, you are you know, silencing his voice, blah, blah, blah. And I find that very unpersuasive because this is really the first Twitter president. It didn't even exist 15 years ago. So the entirety of the 42-odd presidents before that never had Twitter and, and they were still able to get their voices heard through print and television and the room in his house where all of the media journalists go to listen to what he has to say. It's just a specifically Trump um, proclivity for Twitter, which has raised this dilemma, right? This was his preferred well, yeah. messaging platform. Yeah, he was the first president to just fire off tweets like from his phone rather than like Obama would be vetted three times and then sent out by one of his staff. Yeah. Like he was the first one doing it like from his pocket. Yeah. Um, what I do find persuasive as an argument uh, is that if we silence Trump, if we deplatform him, um, we drive him and his supporters underground. So I potentially find that some validity in that. Um, like, it's almost more ominous that we haven't heard from Trump in two weeks. It's like... Oh I think you'll like, find plenty of people who slept a lot. Sorry, there was a lag and I spoke over you. Okay. I feel there are plenty of people who uh, slept a lot better without that sort of inane chatter in the background, that fear of waking up every morning and being like, what did he say? What's new? Maybe yeah. for us outside the country, it's a bit of a different situation, but within it, I have heard from commentators and podcasters and things that they just felt like a weight had lifted <laughs> when that was not in the public sphere when there wasn't the 
the craziness because he's 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 caused issues. He's caused scandals through his Twitter feed. It's not yeah. as if it was a director's commentary with no real import other than like a little bit of insight into the 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 mind of the people involved. It was actively aggravating international relations. It was stirring up particular interest groups or riling the base to direct their hatred towards certain people or purchase certain products. It was, it was a a tool of actual power. Yeah. And Twitter has to take into account that, look, if this is just Joe Blow tweeting what Trump did, you're not going to get kicked off Twitter necessarily because you don't have the clout that Joe Blow does. But you have to take into consideration, and I'm glad that Twitter did, and I'm glad these Silicon Valley companies are starting to wake up to the responsibility that they actually have and the impact they have in the world, that the things that Trump says has real ripple effects on the world. It is changing the world. So if it's just the fucking guy on the street corner yelling about Jesus is sending you to hell, who gives a fuck? No one gives a shit. But... If it's Trump, he has power. People are listening to him. He has disciples. His words matter, and you have to you, you have to take that into consideration. And the other the other argument that people are making uh, on against Trump's Twitter ban um, is that you know you've got people like the Ayatollah and you know Putin on still on Twitter. They haven't been bad, and. This is something that Sam Harris made so beautifully in his um, one of his most recent pods. You should check it out. Uh, is that that's not a reason to not ban Trump? Like the, those people should be banned as well. They should yeah. also be deplatformed. It's what people have been clamoring for for years, which is these companies to take responsibility for and moderate their platform in the way that. Back in the good old late 90s and 2000s, you'd have forums. Back before social media aggregated the, the water cooler into one place based around your social circle, you would go and find your niche in the internet based on the subjects of interest. So I had my gaming forums and you probably had music forums and that sort of thing. There was the instrument world. There was the technology world. There were all these different niches. Um, uh and all of yeah, them and had them- moderators who would be basically out of love for the subject involved and dedication to the website or whatever. They would yeah. filter through posts. They would in- insist on certain standards of posting quality. They would r- remove all the spam. They would prevent hate speech. And they would actively moderate these things. Yeah. It was done before these platforms came along. And now when, they need to take the that responsibility. Press- when the printing press was invented, it took them a few years to iron out the issues with the free press and and all these things. Like we are at the we're we're at the um, genesis stage still of social media and the internet. It feels like oh we've we've had social media for fifteen years or whatever, but that's so young. We still don't know what we're doing. We're still trying to iron out these issues. It's going to take a little time. I disagree. I disagree. I don't think that it's an excuse that we're still young. I think the dark truth is 
that both Twitter and Facebook profited off the uh, model as it currently stands, profited off Trump's tweets. Jack Dorsey was addicted to Trump and the uh, attention that it drew his platform and the... I'm sure they mapped it. It would have been billions of interactions for every one of Donald's tweets because it would get retweeted 100,000 times or liked... uh, you know, a hundred thousand times. And then all the commentary that spills out from those things, that is profit. It drives actual profit. It is marketable value in his business. And the well, truth it's very is convenient he didn't that they've banned up. him two weeks before his presidency. That's the thing. That's why it's not it's not soon enough. Like it, it, it's it's too little too late. Um, but also I'm not willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're still working this social media thing out. I think it, the reality is they haven't wanted to confront the noxious environments that their platforms have become, and they would prefer to keep their head in the sand rather than accept any kind of moderation which people have been just begging for for years. All the women getting harassed on Twitter who um, they... When they were getting doxxed and uh, Gamergate was happening and all of this toxic bullshit alt-right swarms of people would come and attack journalists uh, on Twitter, the solution they proposed was not enforcement of the policies or a big expansion of their moderation teams or faster turnarounds on these kind of things. The solutions that they've rolled out are things like block the person so they can keep saying it. I just don't see it in my feed. Or uh, more specific forms of reporting where you can now say, this person is saying things that are hateful to a group of people. It's it's so backwards. The, the solution to stopping that behavior is to get rid of the people that are aggravating and causing the hate. It is not to make a smoother complaints pathway or to provide services that are going to get it out of the way without stopping it from happening. Their, their approach to it has always been undermined by their need and uh, corporate dedication to growth, to clicks, to views, and ultimately to the money that comes from it all. I don't disagree, but do you, it? they are in a tough spot. Like, they ag- acknowledging or at least... In their eyes, at least, maybe this is what they're telling themselves, and maybe they're right to a degree, they should remain impartial. Like, it's not... It, this is tricky stuff. Like, I banning the leader of the free world from Twitter is tough. It's yeah, tough I agree call. in the it's Trump situation, it's potentially a slippery slope. And it could potentially, if you're banning this guy, like, there's no manual for this stuff. There's no constitution that you can look to and be like, oh, section uh, 43A. Ah, right. We're just... That was my point. uh, My point was, it's not an excuse at all. Uh, And I I agree with you, but it is... We are still working this stuff out. No one really knows. It seems obvious what we should do, maybe, and with hindsight... But it's not always obvious, and I feel for Twitter. <laughs> what a I'm gonna get that printed on a T. <laughs> Empathy for Twitter, um, but I, I, they are in, they are in a tough spot. Like, a, a, like with Trump, what they do matters. What, what they do has repercussions and ripple effects on the rest of the world and for free speech and those things. 
sure, but I, I, there, there is a manual. It's the manual that every other user on the platform signs that like ticks the box agrees to the terms of use when you join that platform all that anyone has ever been asking for is hold trump to the same standards that everyone else is held to and look you could talk for hours about the ridiculous um imbalanced application of those rules even to normal users because that's again part of the problem which they've just completely abdicated in not having enough people and enough of a human element in their moderation in order to apply things um, reasonably where clearly some things are satire or clearly some things are um, quoting something else and that gets users banned in ways that uh, on the face of it just clearly stupid they're so ineffectual at any kind of moderation that and it's been going on for a decade it's yeah. it's just not good enough anymore and and there was a there was a constitution there was a document that they should have been holding them to and the the reality is that because of that fear i i genuinely believe that jack to some extent was shitting himself like he he who would have thought that he would end up in a position where he had to decide whether the leader of the free world could start a war you know, like that was that was where he ended up, and he, yeah. I guarantee the fuck, he did not expect to be there. Um, no, so, I mean these these just a fucking Zuckerberg and him, like they, we're just talking about a couple of nerds that yeah. just earned, ended up in. Yeah, you know, Zuckerberg started effectively a dating campus app, and he's just like, now I'm running the world. It wasn't even dating. It was like, how hot is this chick on campus? It was a hot or not rater. And now he's like... And it escalated Corrupted the American democratic institutions. It is unbelievable. Yeah. I I agree that they probably didn't expect to be here, but that doesn't abdicate their responsibility. That doesn't absolve their responsibility. It doesn't give them any um, authority to be there. Like, (laughs) these guys are... I guess you could say the same for politicians, and we're talking about Donald Trump here, so that's kind of funny. But these guys have just found themselves there with no... They're, they're good That's different, tech. because politicians coders, did get essentially. There. Coders now running the world. Yeah. The politicians did earn the position there, because their constituents put them in office. The, the thing that's about... I meant just Trump. Sure. But to an extent, the, the, he was put in office by voters. That I mean, he did earn that position, even though <laughs> there's the whole Cambridge Analytica, Russian meddling kind of angle to it all. But yeah. the um, gerrymandering, blah, blah, blah. Um, the electoral college, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> you know, you know he, but he did. He, he got democratically elected to that role. Yeah. The thing with Jack and with um, Zuckerberg, is that they are ultimately still self-absorbed enough or narcissistic enough or power-hungry enough to retain the majority control over their businesses. Apple is not ultimately the under the control of one person. Tim Cook gets to drive it as CEO, but he answers to a board of directors and there's voting um, shareholders and and executives who all make a 
communal decision. And if he was to go out and say, now all of our iPhones have swastikas on them, they could remove him from that role um, and put someone else in. Zuckerberg holds 51% of Facebook stock and Jack holds a majority position in Twitter. They have been unwilling to cede that last little bit of, of managerial oversight so that it really is their company and their decisions. And that's yeah, but ultimately you, left them in this would bind. Would you want to give that up either? Why, but, would, why would they give that up? Because then the responsibility of do I have to let the president commit war crimes is no, not solely on your shoulders. So you think they want to be players? They want to be. Big That's what I'm saying. If you if you're right. keeping yourself in that position where you still get to make the final judgment, then you deserve a hundred percent of the responsibility for what your platform becomes. It falls at your feet if you are unwilling to um, defer to a, a larger organizational structure. At that point. Yeah. Good point. You sold me on that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's just hard to, for me, I mean, you have more of more of a breadth of knowledge with this stuff, but it's just hard for me to convert these guys into into actual, you know, uh, puppeteers of the world, which is what they are. It's They seem so, it's like Trojan horse, in a way. That That's the kind of, the insidious libertarian tech bro silicon valley view of it all is that they like to posit themselves as we're just the agnostic you know we're just the platform you know people say what they want we're not responsible for what they say it's not really on us you know we we don't have this responsibility it's we 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 keep our noses out of it and it's it's just not how the platform ends up operating. Every decision that gets made about the policy of those companies actively affects what happens there. They mm. are not puppet masters in the sense that I don't think they're consciously trying to change international geopolitics, but they're mega corporations. They're bigger than countries. They have GDPs. <laughs> if you were to compare the the profits of these companies to GDPs, you'd you'd see the in the top nation states in the world, um, they do have influence effectively. Mm. And yeah, the, the they might not be consciously question? they might not be consciously trying to instill their political desires, but they're definitely doing. They're definitely having an effect on that. Um, does this is kind of tangential, but does social media last like talking 10, 20 years? Like, are these guys, are they going to branch out like Google did and start, you know, doing maps and whatever? Whatever. Well, that's basically Google. Whatever Google's done, more things. Uh, do they retain their stranglehold on, on, social media or the social media even last like what happens what do you reckon i think this has now hit a critical point at which the power players are going to remain the power players for a significant amount of time it's hard for things to break in something like tiktok can come in and pick up a niche but that's it's a fad that's it's it's faddish but also it's very hard to monetize 
um, Twitter to this day mm. has been beset by all of its investors wanting it to be as profitable and big as Facebook. And it just, it's not a service that has that kind of uh, financial possibility behind it. Facebook's genius was in able to, being able to create an algorithm which could then be used as an ad targeting service and allowing small businesses to put up their fitness gear and underwear and candles and whatever to very niche targeted markets and making money off it. Um, Twitter doesn't have that Mm. kind of thing. And they're still in the game. They still have cultural value, as we've just been talking about them for the past half hour. But it's hard to envisage a new platform coming in now and getting to a billion, multi-billion dollar valuation like Facebook is. Um, I think they've now become so entrenched that they have the capital to buy up competitors when they see them coming up or to invest in the trends of the market and be there first in the apps that people already use and dissuade them from flicking over to a new service. Um, So I think it's going to be hard for people to come through. It is interesting that part of Jack's explanation tweet post thing about banning Trump was a long diversion into the future of social media in which he was talking about developing a platform agnostic standard. This is getting quite technical, so I won't go too far into it. But if you think about how websites are all HTML underneath, you know, there's a certain common interchange of of like an accepted global standard which any browser then can pick up and interpret he was starting to talk about how the potential for blockchain, which is the encrypted, independently verifiable backend to electronic currencies like Bitcoin, that might be used as a way to build an underpinning for a social media format, which is platform agnostic as well. So he was positing that the future might be a protocol like HTML is for a browser in which your friendship connections and your circle and your messages and interface might all actually be the same language, quote unquote, and Twitter is a client of that social media HTML and Facebook is a client of that same underpinning thing and has basically said that he's got teams looking at developing an open standard for that kind of web technology you're looking you're you're frowning i feel like you still followed did you get what i was sort of saying i followed the outline of it yeah the the specifics are all fuzzy anyway because he's not gone into any detail but the idea is possibly that social media quote unquote that that actual concept of friendship circles and messaging and and uh, interactivity might evolve into a common techno technological standard like your browser shows web pages on HTML or your uh, printer shares USB. It might it might become open source effectively, and then all these other brands. Uh, could potentially cross, like pollinate or cross in. Uh, you could message from Facebook into Twitter because it's all using the same sort of standard, for instance. Um, yeah. So, 
I, I, yeah, I, I don't think it's going away because I think people like social media. They like the ability that we currently have now to post things and promote yourself and keep in touch with people that are close to you. I think that trend isn't going anywhere. So I don't think social media is going anywhere. But it's probably, yeah. Social media is not going anywhere, but it will probably evolve and change massively over the next 10 years. Of course. And some of that will be based on other technological evolution. You know, If mm. uh, 5G becomes this thing and everyone has one gigabit down mobile phone connections, then all of a sudden the kind of posts you could be making could be 4K video live streaming or mm. high fidelity... Uh, transcriptions of people's speech as our natural language recognition um, sort of stuff kicks up. So what form those posts might be will probably evolve as the technology evolves, but the desire to share that stuff with your circle, I think is, is going to be pretty persistent now. Yeah. Cool. Um, thanks for answering that question. That's all right. <laughs> so much detail. Um, um <laughs> should we move should we ch- we've got i mean we've yeah, we didn't we're have a topic we, yeah we sort we're of ended seg- up one yeah nick where are we going we're going to the uh recommendation engine we're going to recommendation city bro get the keys that was hot terrible <laughs> Thoughts recommendation engine. Uh. That was a hot <laughs> intro. That was fucking. That was fucking sick. Everyone knows it. If you'd think that it wasn't, go fuck yourself. It was a hot intro. Okay, everyone commits. <laughs> <laughs> you can kick us off this week. All right, I got some. I got some perlers. I wrote them down. Mm-hmm. Just give me one second here. Also, shout out to my parents. Happy 36th anniversary today. Um, All right. My parents are 43. Are they? 43 years of marriage, yeah. Wow. And I've known them for 12 of those marriage years. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's actually true. More. (laughs) 2007. It's 14. Oh, true. I've known them for most of their married life. Most of their life. I can't do maths. All right. Uh, I got two very strong, not afterthought recommendations for once. Okay. Um, I, okay. One's a show, one's a movie. Uh The first one is a show called Pretend It's a City. Okay. Now, I cannot recommend this show enough. It's with, it's directed by Martin Scorsese. It's six episodes and it follows a a writer slash not a comedian but a humorist uh called fran Leibowitz. Uh, you've probably seen her in a few things um maybe movies maybe some shows but it is just one of the best things i've i've seen in a long time it's a six-part kind of docu-series but it's just her sitting at a dinner table talking with martin scorsese about new york um, and it's it's a very New York centric show. She it's just like she's like Woody Allen, like the female version of Woody Allen, except she didn't fuck a kid um, <laughs> or marry a kid. Um, but she is so funny. She's so witty. 
Is she a photographer? Uh, she's, is that... but she's no, but what, she's like a fashionista. Fashionista, that's right. She, no, yeah, she's very fashion oriented, but she's a humorist. She's like a a comedian without being a comedian. Okay. Um, but she's got great style, bohemian kind of New York thing. I right. just, it's just the best. I'm gagging for more. I've just been, I've rinsed the six episodes. And I've just been trying to find every podcast, every YouTube clip with her since. It's just so good. And the all right, you say one as well, and then we'll. we'll I'll, I'll throw it. a show in um, as well, which I believe I don't think we've ever made to a um, uh, a recommendation engine, but which I know that you've been watching. Uh, it's a British comedy series called "I Hate Susie," um, and I believe oh, yes, I believe you have watched as well. Um, it stars Billy Piper. It was co-created One by... One of the best shows I've seen in so long. Yeah, co-created by um, Billy Piper and Lucy Preble. Uh, Eight-part series about a former pop star turned actress, um, much like Billy Piper, um, who gets embroiled in a sex scandal in which some uh, explicit photos of hers are hacked out of her phone. And the ensuing uh, eight stages, seven stages of grief that um, she goes through as uh, her world falls apart. And it is just impeccably acted, smartly written. That's, it sort of changes tone so every episode as it goes through different emotions. It's very astute and it has one of those great bittersweet endings where it's, Funny. it's, it's hilarious. hilarious. But also it has one of those endings yeah. where it... It, it, it it's resolved and it's like cathartic, but it's also completely open ended and and poignant and and yeah, it's it's very compelling. Um, there tend to be thirty to thirty five minute episodes. Um, uh, it's just excellent. I yeah, I I believe you enjoyed as well. Sorry, I just um, took the opportunity to have another bit of lamb there. Um, yeah, no, definitely second that show. That I can't believe we haven't recommended that one. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was a brilliant show. Um, the other one I've got is a movie. It's a Pixar movie. It's Soul. Man, this movie made me cry. I fucking loved it. Have you seen it, Nick? I haven't seen it yet. I'm keen to. It's Pete Doctor, and he did uh, a lot of great things, but also Inside Out, which was similarly terrific. Oh, same director? Yeah. Oh. Well, um, this was this movie felt like it was made for me in a lot of ways. It's about a jazz musician. It's about life. It's about death. It's about you know finding your your path in life. It's got darkness. It's the score is by Trent fucking Reznor and John Baptiste. Oh shit! Um, from the Stephen this, Colbert. Uh, Stephen Colbert. Sure. Yeah. Um, I've been thrashing the score. It's killer. It makes you think. It's a few pe- I posted this on Movie Club, and a few people have said, which is a valid. I don't know if it's a criticism, but it's like, kid uh, Pixar movies are typically there for the kids, and then they've got like subtext that adults can get it around. And this feels like the opposite. It's like it seems like an adult movie, but there's like nice colors and characters for the kids. Yeah, right. It feels reversed in that way. Um, which I don't disagree with, but I also don't think there's any issue with If I feel like if I was a kid, I could enjoy that. It's about jazz. It's about all this shit. Check out Soul on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, nice. <laughs> what? 
Why did I end it like that? <laughs> like it was an ad. Ladies. Um, that's a callback. The, uh, I, I don't really have another one, but I, I'll throw out a couple <laughs> of things, which it might be premature, but um, the, I've been watching WandaVision, which there's only been two episodes of as of recording, which is the Marvel Cinematic Universe's first... Well, not first, but it's a TV series on Disney+. And, you know, I, I'm not expecting you to watch it. I don't think you really care about it. But they've done a really kind of ballsy thing, which is they've taken superheroes that are, were in all the Avengers movies and they've thrown them into this classic sitcom format where it's like a mystery sitcom and they're stuck in this sitcom world. So the two superheroes that you normally flying about saving the world are basically uh, reenacting I Love Lucy. And so the first episode is is four by three. It's all black and white and it's on a sitcom stage filmed in front of a live studio audience. And they do a sitcom episode with these two heroes there where they're doing very classic sitcom tropes like the the boss is coming around for dinner and how is the wife going to make all of the dinner in time? And so she uses her magic powers to get things but it's it's completely shot and written like a 1950s episode and then the second they jump forward in time and it's now 60s 70s so they're basically much more like bewitched so they're and it's paul bettany and it's um elizabeth olsen two terrific actors in their own right outside of the um the marvel roles Mm. and paul bettany gives this amazing slapstick comedic performance in that one they're like putting on a magic show for the town um like the community planner people and they're doing like a variety show and he does this ridiculous comedic performance very much like a 1960s sitcom and then by the end of it it starts to um uh, wizard of oz and the color seeps into the world um, there's some sort of bigger mystery thing going on about how they ended up here. And they don't remember their lives outside. They're just living out these roles. And it's interspersed with this um, existential horror moments where all of a sudden the sitcom kind of breaks apart and someone dies and they like start to freak out. And the the there's a glitch in the matrix. And for a second, the the characters sort of realize that something's wrong, but then it snaps back into sitcom world and, and they're stuck in whatever's going on. It's just, it's so conceptually bold. This is the first Marvel project that's been on any screens for over a year since all the movies shut down. And they're leading out with this crazy weirdo, like they're taking side characters from the movies and putting them in this odd, odd show reenacting with degree of sophistication. Like, they interviewed Dick Van Dyke to get advice on on all of this, like, old-timey sitcom stuff with a degree of authenticity that, uh, yeah, it's just bizarre and I'm in love with it. It's so odd and interesting. I gotta say, I mean, I'm intrigued by this. I I lost my boner when you started talking about Marvel Cinema Universe, but then I got it back at existential horror, so... I yeah. might, might even give the first step a crack here. Um, yeah, it's it's very intriguing. Is it not? Tell it. Well, I mean, is this the first woman superhero? I mean, they give everyone like a male one a movie, and they're giving the first female superhero a fucking mm. TV show. I mean, no, no, Captain Marvel, and that came about. Is Captain Marvel a woman? Yeah. 
I thought it was, I'm thinking of Captain America. Yeah, Captain America is um, Chris Evans. Captain Marvel is uh, Brie Larson. Of course it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that uh, I actually talked about more than I thought more than I thought I would. The other um, thing that I just watched the other night, which is old news for a lot of people, I'm sure, but I really liked Palm Springs. Palm Springs is a good oh. movie. Andy Sandberg, Kristen Milioti. Did you just watch that? I just watched it. Yeah. Really? I don't really watch movies that often at the moment. Yeah. How good is that movie? It's a really fucking well-written movie. It is incredibly script, incredibly well-written. Like made me angry. Even the conceit of starting the movie with the guy already a million iterations in and just doing the magic trick and seeing it from her eyes instead of from his eyes. Oh, just like kick yourself, kind of genius. Like, yeah, uh, no, I agree. I, I was very jealous of movie. I've seen it three times now already. And right at the end, when you're thinking, but what about Roy? They go and give you that answer as well. You're just like, ah, oh, yeah, perfect. J.K. Simmons, so good in that. J.K. He's just the fucking man. He's the best. I'd love to be fucking. Wait, don't <laughs> no, say it. You have to say it now. You'd love to be fucking J.K. Simmons. I get it. No, 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 no. I was going to say something way more detailed than that. Okay. I'd like to get fucking... Fuck it. I'll just say it. I would like... I should not say this at all. <laughs> I should not say this. I think it's actually interesting if you don't now, because you've got so close and showed so much... Uh, subtextual intent there that now it's up to the audience to really fill in that blank and assume what it is you were going to say i think i like that's interesting but we all know that there was something sexual about to come it was fucked up as well and it's just up to you to 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 fill in those blanks at home no you've given me a, a solid out there and i'm gonna take it oh if you'd like uh more solid times uh, then I okay, bad segue. <laughs> good, good one. <laughs> Look, I was flailing. Uh, go check out the previous episodes of our podcast and uh, enjoy yourself in the archives. Uh, you can find a whole bunch of other stuff about us on the web as well. There's our Facebook page, Deep Fort. There's our Twitter page, Deep Fort. The Instagram has little video clips these days. The SoundCloud has our uh, Christmas carols. You can send us emails and questions to deepfort at gmail.com and we will get to them, I assure you. Uh, Thank you for your service and good night. You can also, I'll just tag this on, you can also give us a review, much like Maggie did, um, which is is a review that I got personally sent to me, not Mm -hmm. really sure why, Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, for goodness sake, Blow your nose before eating chips segment. Chip eating segment. This is another point. Chip eating segment. Misophonia tragedy. Otherwise an, ap- otherwise an episode that was not bad. Not brilliant. Okay, so that was People, a review of our last episode. <laughs> that was a review of our last episode. Um, was that not clear when I started? Yeah, that? no. I Look, I appreciate the, um, the, the feedback. Can you send me maybe? that out of the blue, um, by the way? It's a little bit aggressive, I would say, in stylings. Um, I like to think of uh, what I like to call a feedback sandwich. When I'm giving people feedback, I start with a compliment, put a suggestion Mm. in the middle, end with a compliment. And that was more like um, an insult. There was like a compliment. Wait, what did you say it was? 
a, a compliment sandwich. sandwich has it was like a, a feedback open sandwich yeah because it didn't have the f- compliment at the it, top it didn't have the compliment at the top um, it just and, had criticism and then like, so, like kind of dry bread stale underneath. bread <laughs> <laughs> yeah but we'll take it we'll take i mean a review is a review, a review i mean review. Uh, we, we'll take a bad review over a good review won't you nick I, I won't take that i'll take a good review thank you um I, I, as long as they're talking about you they're not talking to you but. okay uh let's keep this one short and sharp all right uh you um, have been promising me some weird news i got a massive weird news i hope you're all ready for it i'm gonna tell it to you anyway uh do you mind playing thy jingle nut let me press the buttons in the news today from the strange and weird fact file. Well, for decades, only crackpots and crazy people believed in UFOs. Deputies still say the suspect told them he's been performing sex acts on animals since the 1970s. I told about my close encounter with the Yeti. A sticky situation at an airport in Tennessee after baggage Turns out, the government has been taking This is Deep Thought Weird News with Michael Zubarev Sludge. All right. Big weird news today, guys. Big weird news. Headline. I'll just, I'm going straight into it. We're short on time. We're short on We're time. We're bed. running late. All right. Headline. Space aliens turned my wife into a toffee crisp. <laughs> I'm not kidding, Nick. Oh, you're not kidding. This is, this is your wife? This is not a laughing matter. Okay. Well, I'm, I apologize for my... For my outburst. It's a short article. Um, okay. But it's pretty powerful stuff, I've got to say. This Was is, this in the could... Lancet Medical Journal? No. Um, <laughs> um, it was actually in the um, UK Sunday Sport. Alka, um, Sunday Sport? Uh, yeah. For okay. some reason. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> must have been. I think the story was so big that they, in a sports newspapers, they... Felt like they, they got a bump. Yeah. All right. So I'll just get straight into this. Ray, who insists there were no problems, quote unquote, in his 20 year marriage to Eileen, said he came back on Thursday night to find his wife missing and a mysterious toffee crisp on the kitchen floor <laughs> of their two million pound five bedroom house. What? Rich person problems? I know. <laughs> I know, rich crazies, um, <laughs> not crazies. The 62-year-old former security firm manager from Brentwood, Essex, said, Eileen hates Toffee Crisps and so do I. There is no way there would have been one in our house. Then it struck me. There have been some weird lights over our house just recently. UFOs, most probably. That makes sense. It all makes perfect sense. Okay. Whoa, well, you totally guessed it. Yeah. Eileen's been turned into a toffee crisp by some aliens and a special ray gun. Former boxing club owner Ray... Why are they just going through his resume? Former boxing club owner Ray said he worked in the, into the early hours of Friday scrubbing the kitchen floor in case there, were any, there was any space contamination <laughs> left, by, <laughs> left by the moon men. They've said I mean, this in the article. The moon men. Okay. The ex-scrap dealer... Oh, my God. They're literally going through his resume. The ex-scrap dealer said it was also forced... I was also forced the to roll up... The ex-scrap oh dealer God. is in a two million pound house? Sorry. The ex-scrap dealer and the ex-former security guard 
What? How? And also former boxing club owner. Don't forget okay, that. Okay, boxing club owner. Maybe. He's, just, he's just making money and getting the fuck out of there. Yeah. The ex-scrap dealer said, <laughs> I was also forced to roll up the whole carpet and throw it in the sea just in case there was radioactive <laughs> blowback from the UFO. So if there's... I mean, that's this just... Is you can't quote. take... There's no point in taking any chances. This is still the quote. So if there's any CCTV footage of me chucking a rolled up rug into the sea in Hadley, (laughs) that explains that. (laughs) He's going to be taking the piss. This has to be a joke article. Former freelance lender Ray (laughs) said... This is a joke. This isn't. This isn't serious. This, this is, is a in joke no Nick. This is in Sunday Sport. Well, since Sunday Sport, a reputable lender, man. Ray said, "We're due to fly out. We were due to fly fly out on holiday to Gran Canaria for a fortnight. I would hardly have booked a, a holiday if I'd been planning to kill her, would I? Not that anyone's mentioned her being killed. She's been turned into a Toffee Crisp by space aliens. Yes, a source at Toffee Crisp makers Nestle said, "We've got no time for bollocks like this." <laughs> End of article. And there's uh, pictures here. I'll send you the pictures, Nick. Um, okay, thank you. I mean, they've got there's a picture of Eileen. There's a picture of Ray holding a toffee crisp. He looks pretty earnest. He looks pretty convincing to me. But uh, <sighs> come on, Eileen. Oh, well, he can't anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> Turn into an alien, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, <laughs>